the bells rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hennigan, and in today's showdown, we'll be pitting 2004's The Grudge versus the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, two of the most popular horror films of that year. We're going to pin them head-to-head, break them down in terms of the antagonist, the ensemble, the surviving characters, the setting, the deeper meanings, as well as the fright factor, and determine which should be crowned the most iconic of the year. So, let's consider when they were both released. We have Dawn of the Dead, which was a March 19th release, and then we have a fall-October 22nd release of The Grudge. So, that being said, let's go ahead and start by looking at the Dawn of the Dead's antagonists, which are zombies. Yes, indeed, another strain of zombieism has hit the state specifically. Milwaukee is where we are located uh, uniquely. Um, so our zombies in Dawn of the Dead are reminiscent of zombies in 28 Days Later. They are ravenous. They switch into zombie mode way faster than your traditional zombie. And they also run crazily fast as well. They are relentless. Um, that being said, they do group together in the same way you would normally see stereotypical zombies. Um, something we don't see as much happen in 28 Days Later. They seem more of individuals in 28 Days, where in Dawn of the Dead they do have that what appears to be more of a hive mind. Um, in terms of their motivation, they want to eat sweet, sweet flesh. All they care about is killing life and chomping on that life for their sustenance. Uh, the aesthetic is great. I, I think they do a really interesting job here of making the people just look rabid, but not taking it to the extent that they look silly. I think the people just look gravely ill, and um, it's effective. The vocalizations, you just have the normal sort of snarls and growls and uh, typical, I guess, vocalizations and audibility of a zombie. It doesn't really appear that these zombies have a sense of their previous self. They pretty much go into monster animalistic mode immediately. There's no sort of tapping into the being that used to be. Um, I think this is most specifically seen when you have uh, the mother who births the zombie baby. Um, there's, there's nothing human about that zombie baby at all. Um, beyond that, the originality of it, obviously, this is a remake of Dawn of the Dead, which existed prior, um, which was after Night of the Living Dead, which kind of kicked it all off. So in terms of the originality, it's going to be dinged in that department. But I do like that it adopted more of the fast-running zombies that are way more terrifying than your stereotypical, like, walking dead zombie that's sort of stumbling and meandering um, somewhat listless even. Um, so it's definitely in the originality department going to take some dings considering that it is a remake of Dawn of the Dead, which was a follow-up to Night of the Living Dead. So ultimately, zombies are nothing new. They don't really do anything new with the zombies. I think this film's strength come elsewhere in the production and the casting. Um, as a original antagonist, this is not really going to take the cake in this department. But before we decide what score we're going to give that puppy, let's pop over to The Grudge. And let's talk about the antagonist in The Grudge. Ultimately, we have dead spirits who have been horrifically murdered that are still there because of that. Kayako Saki, who is the uh, housewife, ultimately falls in love with an American professor whose husband finds out and brutally murders her, and then her son Toshio as well, both of them then getting stuck to the house, ultimately 
uh, as these demonic presents. Um, you could argue that at times Toshio is not necessarily malevolent, but he is still um, an antagonist uh, to those that come after. Um, what you could also argue is that the real antagonist here is uh, the husband, Takeo, who murdered his wife, Kayako, um, when he discovered that she was lusting after Peter Kirk's character, played by the one and only Bill Pullman. Um, so ultimately, this boils down to his rage uh, and murderous behavior that led to all these spirits um, wreaking havoc down the line. Uh, beyond that, in terms of their motivation, they kind of have no choice but to continue the cycle. Um, if you were murdered in a horrific way, you're sort of like left there as a stain, and then you continue to fulfill that same sort of murderous rage on those that you encounter as a spirit afterwards. Um, it, it, it's a self-perpetuating cycle. You run into one of these spirits, you're probably going to be taken out by one of these spirits. And with the exception of potentially our surviving girl here, who even she, we're not sure, uh, makes it in the end, um, there's, there's no escaping this curse, the grudge, if you will. Uh, beyond the motivations, the aesthetic, I like the way that these monsters look. I think it's actually one of the strong points of the grudge. Um, it kind of takes, in the, in the form of Kayako, uh, the ring, Samara's look with the dark, long, black hair, but to the next level where it is more ethereal, more ephemeral, um, certainly not connected to the digital in the same way Samara is. I think the way that the eyes are pronounced and kind of bugged out is also really what makes it super scary. Um, so as an aesthetic, I think that these are fairly unique ghosts. Granted, they do kind of overlay a little bit with how Samara and the ring looked. Um, the vocalizations, there's no actual words coming from Kayako. We do hear Toshio talk, even though he is dead. Um, but that being said, when we do have these kind of horrific moans, I think accompanied with the visuals, it's effective. One of the more effective aspects of the entire movie. Originality, um, this was a remake of the initial Grudge, which was a Japanese film, so in theory you could ding it for that, but if we're just taking into account the Grudge is the Grudge, um, the first English version of it, I, I do believe that it's fairly original. Um, certainly, ghosts have often been associated with uh, a horrific murder that has occurred that has left them there in this kind of purgatory state on earth so it's not wholly original i do like the idea of a jealous husband having uh, murdered his wife and his kid again not necessarily super original concept but the amalgam or the combination rather of that sort of domestic storyline with then our uh, fear-inducing ghosts was fairly original, not wholly though. So when we look at both of these in terms of the antagonists, I did find the zombies pretty spooky. There's some great jump scares in Dawn of the Dead, so I'd probably give that puppy a 2.5 as a whole in terms of uh, antagonists. And I'm going to go ahead and say that the grudge is mostly known because people remember how the ghosts look more than anything else. So I'm going to go ahead and give that a 3.5. It's not Chucky, it's not Freddy, it's not going to be iconic in that way, but I do feel like um, The Grudge does have some iconic uh, aspect to its antagonist, and it's probably one of its stronger categories. When we talk about the ensemble in Dawn of the Dead, we are talking about a powerhouse cast here. Um, we have Sarah Polly, who is our nurse, who ultimately we start the film with, and we follow her throughout the entirety of it. She is our final girl. Um, Ving Rhames plays an awesome cop who saves their lives on many occasions, ultimately uh, taken down himself. 
Um, Mackay Pfeiffer as Andre is also good, and I found his wife uh, a really interesting character as well. She's played by Ina Korobinkna. Uh, she was Luda in it, and of course that was the uh, woman who gave birth to the zombie baby, which in itself I would argue is one of the more original aspects, and if you were to go back to... The antagonist points, it might bump it up an extra 0.5, but I did like their dynamic. I thought that was really interesting. I believed the uh, the romance between them. I thought the fact that it was uh, interracial uh, was also at least progressive, as these um, Day of Night of the Dead movies tend to do. They usually like to highlight these sort of um, more cultural race issues via the casting sometimes. Um, also, we have Ty Burrell is kind of our sleazebag in it. He plays a really interesting character, uh, Steve Marcus. And Ty Burrell, you might remember from Modern Family. He plays the dad in Modern Family, where we see a very different version of this actor um, in Dawn of the Dead versus Modern Family because he's super smarmy, super horrible. We see him uh, copulating on screen. It is um, like you've never seen him before. I think he does He does well. I think he, he proved via this movie that he has range, that um, those who just know him from Modern Family might not assume. Um, but I do think that there are some secondary characters that are worth noting as well. There are the three gentlemen that are ultimately the mall cops. They are trying to balance whether or not to relinquish some of the power to the survivors that make it into the mall or kind of hold them down like it is kind of a dictatorship within the mall. Um, ultimately, the tables do turn and you see those that were trying to hold the power get subjugated to uh, being encaged. Uh, but I did find that the actual cast as a whole gelled well. There's not a lot of weak links in terms of the acting abilities. I love the dynamics between Sarah Polly and pretty much every character involved. There's smaller dynamics and smaller relationships also that I feel like hit home. You have a, a father and daughter where ultimately he's turning and she's coming to the realization, oh my gosh, we're going to have to kill my dad. Um, not unlike what we see in 28 Days Later, but there's more time to digest it um, because in this case it's not a quick turn. Uh, I believe he was subjugated to, a, uh, no, he was bitten too, but it wasn't as fast for some reason as some of the other turns that occurred. Um, I think obviously to highlight the drama involved. Um, and again, the diversity in this ensemble is great. We have a number of people of color, and I don't think there's any sort of LGBT issues addressed. Um, and if there is, it's kind of in a derogatory way and not really probably the strong point of it. Uh, this is directed by Zack Snyder. I'm not sure he's as conscious as he could be about these issues. Um, so let's pop over to The Grudge and talk about the ensemble there. I would say that the cast as a whole is not as strong. There are some standouts that I'd like to mention. I mean, certainly I am a huge fan of Sarah Michelle Gellar. I'm going to say it has more to do with her persona as Buffy to me and just the recollection and my, my favoring that show beyond a lot of shows back in the day. Whether or not she can be considered a great actress, I think is something that people might contest. I think she's suited for this role. I think she's effective in this role. I think the biggest problem with the grudge might be the dialogue and some of the way that the interactions are written between characters that don't necessarily help highlight her skills. Um, but I like Sarah Michelle Gellar in this as Karen Davis, the exchange student. I think she does well being in a, a land that she's not used to, fish out of water sort of situation. Uh, Jason Bear is her, uh, played by Jason Bear is Doug McCarthy, um, who is her boyfriend who's over there. He's, he's attending the University of Tokyo. And she, they have a really kind of interesting dynamic. We don't probably see enough of it, but there's one really great scene where she knows him so well that she's able to 
put the clocks behind so that she has an hour with him in the morning that she otherwise wouldn't have because she knows he always sleeps till uh, the very last second. So she buys herself time with him. She's able to build in that relationship with her foresight. She kind of sees into the future and, and understands how people act in an interesting way, which I think fleshes out her character decently. Um, I also thought that Clea Duval was awesome, as she tends to be. You might recognize her from Veep. She is um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's daughter's wife-slash-girlfriend. Um, she does well in this, playing the wife of another gentleman, uh, Matt, who has gone over there for a job. Uh, if you've seen this character actor before, he's actually he's pretty good. William uh, Mopifer, you might know him most from Lost. I, I don't love him, but I like him enough that given the size of the role, I thought he was effective in it. I didn't necessarily believe that they had this sort of romantic connection. I thought her interactions while out in the town, Clea Duval as this uh, you know, newlywed woman who's been subjugated to a foreign land, almost does better than Sarah Michelle Gellar in trying to traverse this new territory. There's a great scene where she's in the market and she can't read any of the food, so she actually acts to poke into one of these like ramen bowls to understand what the flavor of it is or, or what, she's, what she's in for if she buys it. So I thought there was interesting moments there. And then, of course, you have Bill Pullman. Um, he starts us off the movie with his suicide, uh, tossing himself off of a balcony um, to a grisly, grisly fate there on the cement. Um, Bill Pullman is Bill Pullman. I want him to attempt making characters more than he does. Uh, I don't not like Bill Pullman. I don't think he necessarily helped or hurt this movie in any way. Um, and the movie as a whole is kind of put together in a non-linear fashion. So we see him at the top, but then we don't see him for about, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour into it again. And when we do, it's kind of lackluster. I don't necessarily know if I believe that the ultimately the woman who becomes uh, the ghost was ever realistically in love with him or, or if we get enough of that to really buy into it or if there's stakes enough around Peter Kirk's character um, as a teacher there in Tokyo I just I didn't I didn't see enough going on I also really liked um, the detective in it uh, detective Nakagawa uh, played by Ryu Ishibashi I thought he was good uh, I, I I mean English was his second language so when we're talking about acting ability, that gets a little more complicated, but I thought he was compelling. I thought he has some really expressive uh, facial stuff going on that, that's enjoyable. And, and frankly, I might have cared more about him than anybody except maybe Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, since she's kind of our, our root here. Um, so if we were to grade Dawn of the Dead versus The Grudge, actually, I forgot to mention that uh, at least the grudge does deal with a different sort of cultural reality. When we come down to addressing which should get the most pentagrams, I'm going to have to say Dawn of the Dead's ensemble is overall considerably better than the grudge's ensemble. I would have to give uh, Dawn of the Dead, I, which I watch regularly. I watch this remake of Dawn of the Dead a lot. This is the second time I've seen the grudge since I saw it in the theater, and I think that kind of speaks um, to its quality as well. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, I'm going to go ahead and give a 3.5 uh, for their ensemble, and I'm going to give the ensemble for The Grudge only a 2, I'm afraid. Um, let's pop down to the surviving characters involved. Uh, we have in Dawn of the Dead, Sarah Polly's character is able to make it out alive. She's who we start with, and ultimately she makes it out again. Um, she kills the zombified Steve and retrieves his boat keys. Uh, Steve, of course, was the one played by Ty Burrell. 
Um, they are escaping with this like modified truck. That's really it was really fun to see them build up this truck, and it's almost like a scene from a, a video game where you have to build up the truck to plow through the zombies. I really quite quite enjoyed that. Um, granted, uh, footage from a camcorder is found on the boat that shows that the group runs out of supplies when they do get to the boat and it arrives as an island and they are attacked by a swarm of zombies. We can assume she's probably toast at that point. But nevertheless, we do see her as our main final girl uh, that makes it out uh, with actually some of the other crew as well. But she's certainly our most, most notable person to live. Uh, when we talk about the final character, we can determine whether or not she wants to really survive. And I would say that Sarah Polly's character absolutely does. And, and she might not, given that she watched her husband get brutally murdered by the neighbor daughter um, uh, horrifically, there's a really, really great scene early in the film where she first comes to realize that the zombie apocalypse is happening. Uh, this girl just tears into her husband's neck in a way that's unforgettable, indelible. This, to me, is when Zack Snyder um, was doing his best work, was one of those in early days here, uh, back in 2004. Um, acting ability, I think everyone's pretty good um, that makes it out alive. I think Sarah Polly's a really strong actor. I want to say that she has been nominated for for awards, uh, not certainly for this, but she she can hold her own and against like some big dogs like Ving Rhames, and I gotta give her a lot of credit. And honestly, in terms of zombie movie final girls, for me, she is very iconic. This character of um, Anna Clark, I really like and I remember, and I think she's a big part of why I keep going back to this film. Um, when we talk about the surviving character of The Grudge, again, we kind of have an ambiguous ending similar to what goes on in Dawn of the Dead. Karen survives ultimately um, and she learns that actually even though that she tried to burn down the house, the house has somehow survived that burning as well. Um, and then of course her, her boyfriend had been murdered by the spirit of the murdered woman, the murdered housewife as well. Uh, and sadly when she visits his body she comes to realize that she is still being haunted, haunted, uh, completely owned by Kayako. There's no escape. Uh, she sadly is probably doomed to from what we see there at the end. So for both of these characters, not really a means of escape. Determination to survive. I don't know if I see Sarah Michelle Gellar have the sort of heart in this one um, that Buffy does. Uh, so Karen's kind of a little more, is a little weaker character and is not as self-assured. Um, I do appreciate that she is in a new country, she's working in a very altruistic job, trying to help um, English families uh, that are in Japan that need hospice care. So she's really, she's in it for the right reasons. I didn't see the sort of like inner strength and empowerment that I, I would have rather have seen from her, um, especially given that it's SMG and we're used to seeing that from her. Um, an iconic status, I got to admit, when I think of The Grudge, I do think of Sarah Michelle Gellar. I will say that I didn't necessarily remember how things went for her, um, so I think that's probably a ding as well. Uh, nevertheless, you got you to gotta give credit where credit is due, and when it comes to Japanese uh, remakes in English, I, I got to say that she's probably, she and Naomi Watts are, are the two between this and The Ring. Um, I wouldn't say her character is as great as Naomi Watts' character, but it's still iconic to a degree because I think when you think The Grudge, you immediately probably think of her. You might even forget that Bill Pullman's in it, and Bill Pullman arguably has more clout. 
Um, so when we're giving pentagrams out here, I would say for the surviving characters, I'm going to go ahead and give 2.5 for Dawn of the Dead, and I'm going to give the same for the Grudge. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on to the settings. Um, when we talk about Dawn of the Dead settings, this is actually one of its strong points. You start off in the hospital, you get to go to her home, you see the zombies taking over the, the urban, or no, I'm sorry, the suburban area, um, and then we move into the urban, and then we actually get to meet Ving Rhames underneath the highway uh, underpass. Now we move into the mall, and the mall is highlighted so well, you really get a sense of the entire of this mall. It actually reminds me of how much justice Stranger Things 3 does to that mall, the Star Starcourt Mall, I believe. Um, so I really appreciate how this mall was utilized in terms of space. Um, it really spoke to like just uh, anti-consumerism, which we'll get more into with the deeper meanings as well. Um, and it also set up a really interesting way to discuss class too, which again is more of a deeper meaning. When we're talking specifically about the settings, I think it set a really interesting mood. They're, they're trapped in a place that would otherwise be a place where you were trying to fulfill your life more, trying to bring uh, more happiness to yourself, but here they are, they're crunched into the mall, trapped like rats and barely able to escape ultimately. Um, the aesthetic is great. It looks like an early aughts mall that I would see, and malls also at this time were just starting to wane too due to online sales. So you got that extra layer as well. Uniqueness, not so unique because Dawn of the Dead does do it as well. I do feel like we have seen um, malls used in horror contexts uh, on a number of occasions prior to this. So it will get dinged for that. Um, the grudge, the setting of the grudge is great. You got to give it credit. We do actually have the shot in Tokyo. We're taken all over Tokyo. We get to see um, the home of ultimately where uh, Karen's character is taking care of the uh, sick woman, who's actually herself a, a big dog. Grace Zabriskie, who you might, who I certainly remember the most uh, in her role in Big Love as the mother of Bill Pullman's character. Really, really strong actress, and and she doesn't let us down in this. Even though she doesn't have a lot of roles, her her face does all the acting necessary when, when you're dealing with like seeing a ghost ultimately constantly uh, foreboding ghosts in the corner of a room the way they look up it kind of like is the opposite of what cooks in a Blair Witch where you have the guy looking down in the corner here everyone's looking up into the corner of a room where ultimately our big ghosty is always um, when we talk about the uniqueness of it I don't see a lot of American movies set in foreign countries so I got to give that credit we got to we get a little spice that we normally wouldn't. I feel like we do sufficiently move around between the hospital, between where Karen works, between her boyfriend's apartment, um, the streets a little bit, uh, as well as getting a, a sense of how the detectives do their thing. And grading them and divvying out them pentagrams, I'm gonna go ahead and give Dawn of the Dead a two because it's not really anything we haven't seen before, but the way it's done is really strong. Um, and I gotta have, uh, I have to give The Grudge a three because uh, there's just not enough uh, horror films set in different countries for English-speaking audiences. So a two and a three, uh, respectively. Let's go on to deeper meanings. So ultimately, Dawn of the Dead really taps into cultural divides, class divides. Ultimately, you have the consumerism that was noted before being set in a mall. Uh, you could also talk about uh, overworked women, nurses, the state of healthcare, and ultimately it could be a deep dive into, uh, especially in the early aughts, we didn't have an Obamacare at that point. Uh, hospitals themselves were considered somewhat predatory, still are to a degree. Uh, so it could have been commentary ultimately on the healthcare system. 
as well as uh, just suburban life as a whole, the banality of it, um, which kind of leads to the craziness if you're to look for these under undercurrents going on there. Um, as well as commentary on the times, as noted, we do have the uh, demise of malls um, and ultimately things are shifting to the digital. So you kind of have that, that um, allegory cooking in terms of, sorry, people aren't going to the big box anymore. They are staying home um, where it's safer in some ways, uh, because as, as we know, there's been atrocities that have occurred most recently, sadly, at, at the Walmart um, in Texas. So. Uh, granted, that is more uh, contemporary. Nevertheless, we are, we're still dealing with uh, this is after Columbine really set things off when it came to mass shootings. And I think people are more conscious of the dangers of these larger gathering spaces. Um, lasting impact, I, from my perspective, it set Zack Snyder's career off. It really shot him into the, the DC verse, ultimately, is where he ends up um, to some uh, criticism, granted. Uh, but he still has made a splash, let's put it that way. Um, beyond that, I do think people look back on this in 28 Days Later as kind of the top dogs of zombie films preceding Walking Dead. you got to give them, in terms of just serious action horror zombies, um, Dawn of the Dead a lot of credit. I think there is there's a lot of lasting impact for that and as noted I do go back to it and that's kind of my personal connection it's kind of my go-to when I want a really awesome zombie movie um, that's got great characters great ensemble um, and it's beautiful to look at uh, as much as I love 28 days later I just love the colors in this one and just the feel and it's a little more light even though it's super horrific uh, 28 Days Later can sometimes bring me down a little bit it's so heavy talking about the deeper meanings in the Grudge, I think it's really primarily about sorrow. It's about the unspoken with between family members. You do have the brother and sister there that, granted, are have both moved from America to Japan for their work, but there still seems to be a disconnect between them, um, even between him and his uh, wife that he brought over there. I don't necessarily feel like they're being completely honest with one another. I feel like he's kind of placating her when telling her. Uh, I'd be willing to go back if, if you're really not happy, but give it a try. I almost feel like give it a try was was not um, a suggestion. Uh, it was like a mandate from him. I do also think that connects then back to the domestic strife that kind of kicks off the whole thing when um, poor Kayako is murdered at the hands of her husband. Also, just intercultural stuff is going on as well. Um, Particularly when we talk about Kayoko having that uh, affection for this professor who is um, pretty much framed as being much more uh, compassionate, a better listener, maybe not as um, untender as the uh, husband that ultimately takes her down, uh, which might be an understatement there. Uh, when we talk about lasting impact, I do feel like The Grudge has found its place in horror. Uh, I know that they're making a, a remake of it. Um, it has been, what, 15 years, so that's not so long that it is kind of surprising to me that they would reboot it this soon. I know there was a Grudge too. I don't think it had a lot of acclaim. But nevertheless, I do want to argue that The Grudge um, kind of does have these deeper undertones where... It actually might have hurt the movie as a whole, making it PG-13, but I feel like it touches on topics that maybe are a, a little more appropriate for um, younger audiences to see and to consider. 
that might have not been as overt if you're distracted by more horrific scenes. It's a little more subtle with the horror, given the PG-13 rating, um, which has its ups and downs, let's put it that way. Um, so we're going to give out pentagrams here for deeper meanings. I'm going to go ahead and give uh, Dawn of the Dead a 2.5, and I'm going to give The Grudge a 3. Finally, um, talking about the fright factors, Dawn of the Dead sufficiently scares me a lot. I am often um, on the edge of my seat, as noted. The zombie baby was freaky. Just knowing that she was turning and pregnant was super scary. Uh, additionally, I feel like the emotional turmoil that we see between this ensemble is really what heightens the scare factor. I think the way that the zombies run and chase and the dynamic between the guy across the street from the mall who they're using signs to communicate with really kind of builds this strange connection that when they do try to rescue him is, is really fright-filled uh, when they're trying to get in there and they ultimately don't know what happens to uh, the girl who tries to save him, which uh, was great uh, and very suspenseful. The music and the sound design is pretty darn good as well. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's iconic. Um, in terms of the scariest scene, I would go back to the moment that her husband is torn to shred by the little girl in their own bedroom. That was grisly, to say the least. Uh, when we talk about the fright factor of the grudge, I don't find it nearly as scary, I guess, even though one could argue ghosts are more realistic than zombies, even though, you know, they're both absurd from my perspective. Uh, but the idea of a soul lingering and have been so horrifically murdered, and that's why that it sticks around, I think it has a little more weight for some reason than, I don't know, Neil deGrasse Tyson argues against zombieism in any form. So that kind of takes away uh, from, from the scary in Dawn that I feel like is there in the grudge. Uh, you have actually humans causing this murder when he kills his wife um, and then the consequences of that. So ultimately the consequences of domestic abuse and an abusive husband and ultimately an abusive father is what it boils down to. I think it also deals with the struggles between couples living in uh, foreign countries as well. Certainly that's more of a theme than any metaphor because it's more overt. Um, but when it boils down to the metaphor, I want to say that the the soul, the, the grudge, what is it called here? It's called a onrio ghost. Onrio ghost. Um, I feel like that is a representation of uh, harbored angst and resent and just an unacceptance of uh, what has happened and unwillingness to move on is really what this all boils down to as many ghost stories do just the incapacity to get to that next step to that next stage to that next level uh, of being and being completely consumed by um, trauma pretty much it's really about trauma uh, so when we're talking about scary, it doesn't really give me that same sort of fright factor. Um, probably the scariest scene is when the sister gets home from work and then Kayoka, as a ghost, is in her bed and comes up uh, between her legs and pops up from under the covers. That was a sufficiently scary scene for me because just the bulging eyes and the way that the ghost looks. I mean, it's a little CGI, but I still still gives me a little bit the willies. Um, but let's talk pentagrams for this in terms of Fright Factor for Dawn of the Dead. That's a sufficient three for me, which is really good for a zombie movie, if you ask me. 
And I'm going to give the grudge a two when we're talking about fright factors. And as I count up these pentagrams, it would appear for the first time in the history of the Icon Showdown podcast in this 17th incarnation of it, we have our first numeric tie, which might have something to do with uh, this is an episode that I am doing solo. Um, I, I was not aware that was the case as it was being graded along the way. That being said, in the event of a tie, I think I'm just going to go to a, a final personal preference here. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. I like Dawn of the Dead much more, but I think The Grudge is the more iconic horror film of the year. Uh, and I think as a whole, it has a lot more going on under the surface. Even though I have issues with the way that it's edited, even though I have issues with the writing of it, I'm going to go ahead and say the bell has rung. The Grudge is the most iconic horror film of 2004. I want to thank you for listening as we broke down which was more iconic. Um, please, if you want to support this podcast, check out uh, my website, parasociable.com. That's spelled P-A-R-A-S-O-C-I-A-B-L-E. There you can find music, you can find my novel, uh, as well as links to all sorts of stuff that I've created over the years. So um, again, I want to thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, as they say in the business, the bell has rung. <laughs>